Right, so the, uh, the sermon series we're looking at this August is Wisdom to Live By, and the um, topics, the books Tim gave me were Psalms, um, Proverbs, and Song of Solomon, so a pretty broad um, mix of books, doesn't really narrow it down what to preach on, so thanks for that, Tim. Um, and I was thinking about what to preach on, what to say. And I guess what I want to say is as much a preach to me, a message to me, as it is to us as a church. Um, so when you hear it, think I'm preaching to myself um, as well as you guys. So the title of our sermon is Getting Real with God. It's Psalm 51. And um, it's all about confession. Now, before we start, um, I used to be a sailing skipper before I became boring and did a desk job um, in London. I used to be a sailing skipper in Italy, and we'd go out, sail out some little island somewhere, um, and because the boats were basically rubbish, something would break down inevitably, like the engine or the sail, um, something quite major, and we'd be stuck on a little island, and um, I'd think, oh gosh, what am I going to do? So go and find a boat mechanic, they seem to be everywhere in Italy, and I'd say, in my best Italian, which is basically English very slowly, um, can you fix my boat? When can you fix it? And they'd say, hey, manana, manana, <laughs> which I'm told means tomorrow morning, tomorrow. So I then go back the next day, and I've got clients waiting to go sailing, and I'd say, um, excuse me, um, is the boat ready? And they'd say, oh, manana, manana. And I kind of think that's like my attitude to, to church sometimes, to God. Um, I come here on a Sunday, and I think to myself, hey, manana. I mean, that's not, <laughs> that's not how it actually sounds in my head. Um, but I think I'll deal with God tomorrow. I'll connect with God tomorrow. I'll deal with the big stuff in my life tomorrow. And I was thinking, why do I do this? Why do I, why do, I do this? I often come. Um, and I sing the songs, and I go home, and I put it off to tomorrow. Or I'll start reading my Bible every day tomorrow. Um, and I think the answer is actually pretty simple. It's sin in our lives. Now, to illustrate this, stay with me. Because I'm the warden, I'm meant to be responsible for the fabric of the building, so <laughs> putting this sheet down. Grab a chair. So I go into church, and I'm sat here listening to Tim, <laughs> and I've got this massive pile of manure next to me, which is the sin in my life, and I'm trying to connect with God, I'm trying to worship God, and actually, I've got this massive pile of muck um, that hasn't been dealt with. 
Sorry, I'm not going to sit there all sermon. So, this sermon is going to answer two questions. Firstly, why is that such a problem? Why is it holding me back? And secondly, what can we learn from Psalm 51, which is David's psalm to God about dealing with it? So, why does sin hold me back? Well, firstly, sin is really serious. The big problem with sin, so sin has consequences for us, has consequences for um, other people, but the biggest problem is that we're defying God and we're saying to God, you're not God, I am. And what we think might be infinitely small in our eyes is infinitely large in God's eyes. When we sin, we're playing God. In Numbers 16, um, there's a bloke called Korah who disobeyed God and he ends up with the earth opening up and swallowing him, all his family and all his possessions. And that's just a picture of how seriously God takes sin. If you look in the Old Testament, a lot of the law, the penalty for disobedience was death, which seems quite extreme. But that's how serious sin is in God's eyes. And I think we as a culture, um, particularly sat here in nice Parsons Green, are quite prone to treat sin lightly. A lie here, a glance there, selfishness here, anger there. But it defies God and it destroys us. Um, to paraphrase Romans, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And this isn't just me, I can assure you. Because in Romans 3 it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you've probably heard about sin a thousand times in sermons um, or in, when you read the Bible. But what I want to do is go a little bit deeper into why we sin. What's the root cause? What's the number one reason that we're disobeying God and getting ourselves in this massive pickle? John Piper says, sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. It's when we doubt that God is giving us the best. When we think God is holding something back. When we don't trust that God is good enough. When we don't believe that God's plan for sex within marriage is worth waiting for. When we don't trust that God's approval is worth more than my boss's approval. Sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. Now, we know how good God is because it's all throughout the Bible. We know nothing's more preferable than God. We know God is the ultimate goodness. So sin is believing that something is more preferable than God. And therefore, if God is the ultimate goodness and sin is believing there's something else that's goodness, then sin is always believing a lie. And it's quite easy, isn't it? The alternatives to God are quite compelling. Sex, um, wanting to beat people, knock people down, uh, get lots of money. We don't believe that God's goodness for us is better than the goodness we can create ourselves. So we're running around trying to create all this goodness for ourselves because we don't believe we're not satisfied that God 
has our best interests at heart. That is the root of sin. And what it means is sin isn't just the lie you told last week or you got a bit, a bit angry with someone at work. It's not just the individual acts. It's pervasive. It's all the way across our lives. It's comprehensive. John Piper describes sin as this. Sin is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverenced, the greatness of God not admired, the power of God not praised, the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not savored, the faithfulness of God not trusted, the promises of God not believed, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, and the person of God not love, loved. So it's all about our attitude to God. It's where our heart is. And if our attitude towards God is wrong, then everything is wrong. And we end up sitting here with a big pile of manure next to us. And it means we can't engage with God because we've got this massive thing. And by the way, it's quite smelly. I can smell it from here. So how do we tend to deal with it? How do I deal with it? We know it's bad. We've heard lots of sermons or talks about why it's bad. Um, how do I deal with it? How do we deal with it? Um, I think we ignore it is a, is a good one I try. Um, that's good. Uh, it's not really sin. Um, I'm not really addicted. I don't really need to confront this stuff. But if we're not careful, we can come here every week and take part in religious activity. We can sing the songs. We can even put our hands up, um, although I don't often do that. Um, but it can be the biggest cover-up for us living in sin, for sin in our lives. Participating in outward ritual while covering up the reality of inward sin in our lives is deadly. And we also know it's ridiculous because in, in the Psalms, all the way through the Psalms, in fact, um, if we take Psalm 69, it says, God, you know what I've done wrong. I cannot hide my guilt from you. So God knows it already. He can see it. You can see it. In fact, he knew it was going to be there before you even did it. Second thing we try is delaying. Um, I, I try this as well sometimes. Um, so let's have a week or two of not sinning. Let's have a week or two of being good. Um, I read my Bible. I pray. I get back with God. Um, and then I can really go for God. So let's just have a bit of time of doing some good things. And then I'll get back with God. And it's a bit like you're sat there. And you're like, if I sprinkle it in glitter, <laughs> God won't notice it. It'll make up for the mess that it is. But as I'm sure you can see, it's still pretty obvious. And the final thing we do is we make excuses. We make it sound better than it is. So wasn't that bad. Uh, I did it because I was going through a really hard time. I was tired. He, she was being really annoying. <laughs> That's not directed at anyone in particular. <laughs> 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 I 
But what happens when we do something a lot, we get really good at it. We sit in church and we get good at ignoring God and trying to ignore our sin. And it results in hardness of heart and the truth of Jesus can't penetrate through. If you keep on doing what you've always done, you'll keep on being what you've always been. Nothing changes unless you make it change. So, what do we do about this big parliament year sat here this evening? We've all got it. If Romans is true, we've, we're all doing it. Let's turn to Psalm 51 to find out. Conveniently, I didn't bring a copy of the Bible. Um, so, Psalm 51. And there are church Bibles at the end of the non-pews, if you... Page 549. So to set the scene, David's committed adultery and he's committed murder. And now there's a civil war breaking out across his land. And the prophet Nathan comes to him and convicts him of his sin and says, you've got to sort this out. And this is how he responds. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem, Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So, how does David deal with it? First thing is total honesty with God. He gets, he understands that sin is really serious. And all of David's problems, adultery, murder, and the civil war, came from one sin, which was one lustful glance. He knows it's serious. He also knows it's pervasive. It's throughout his whole being. He says, 
I know my transgressions, my sin is always before me. He's always thinking about it. So he confesses his sins before God. Now, in the New Testament, the Greek word for confess is homologeo, and that's formed of two parts, um, homo, homo, uh, from which we get the word homogenous, so the same, and logeo, which means to say or speak. So confess in the New Testament means to say the same. And in this context, it means to say the same as God. So what we do when we confess, it's not really about saying we're really sorry to God. It's about saying the same about your sin that God's saying about your sin. So saying, look, God, I know it's there. I know I've messed up. It's not about making excuses. It's seeing it for what it is. Second thing that David does he accepts God's unfailing love. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. So David recognizes the fact that God forgives his sins isn't dependent on how sorry he is, but on how loving and compassionate God is. So when we confess our sins, we need to keep in mind that our forgiveness comes from God's unfailing love, not in our ability to feel bad or guilty about it. That's not where, that's just the same as covering it in glitter. Thirdly, David says he understands that grace comes at a cost. He says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Now, hyssop is a small plant that was used in the Old Testament times like a brush. Um, can we have the next? Like that. It doesn't look to me like a very good brush, I have to say. But apparently it was used as a brush to sprinkle the sacrifices with blood. So the sacrifice would be made before God for sin, and hyssop would be used like a brush to sprinkle the, um, the offering with blood. So in the time of David, he's talking about a physical bit of blood and a physical sacrifice. But we know that through Jesus, we can be clean of this manure that we carry around with us. It says in Hebrews 10, Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Can you see how similar the, the language is? And guys, that is the gospel. That is it. The fact we have all this manure, we can be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus and it can go, it can be gone, it can be forgiven. And that is according to God's love, not according to how sorry we feel about it. God's love is unfailing. So whatever you've done, whatever you're struggling with, God has already overcome through Jesus. He's already dealt with it. It says in Romans 5, 
God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I think it's worth saying that God wants to deal with this mess more than you do. God wants a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with God. He is seeking you. He is seeking you. Um, if you think of a, a parent who's fallen out, the child's been a bit naughty. Um, I'd, I'd know this well. My mum was here this morning, actually, and she was, she was laughing away at this one. Um, been a bit naughty, and it's pretty much always the parent that wants to be right with the child before the child wants to be right with the parent. And that's, like, it's, that's the same with God. It says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So for David, the sacrifice was an outward ritual, but for us, the sacrifice has already been made and this can disappear. In fact, we won't even smell it and God won't even smell it. We can't polish it up. We can't coat it in glitter but if we accept what Jesus has done for us we can be forgiven and have a relationship with the living God and that can happen tonight for all the crap you're carrying around and I'm carrying around and what's the result well David says restore to me the joy of your salvation so we can get rid of this we can be sat here there's no pile of manure sat next to us anymore and we can leave rejoicing seems seems pretty good right but I can hear the cynic in me saying yes but next week I'm going to come in with more manure and I'm going to have to go through the same process again and that is true but the other thing that David does is he asks for a new heart David says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He doesn't say I need to try harder. What he's saying is, if the root, well, what I'm saying is the root of, the root of sin is our, is our attitude towards God and not being satisfied with God. And David is praying, create in me a pure heart, O God. And with a new heart, we find our satisfaction in him. St. Augustine, this is one of my favorite quotes, says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. We were made to find our satisfaction in him. So we're all running around trying to find this goodness somewhere else and creating piles of muck when actually we were created to find our satisfaction in God. The Westminster Catechism, which is um, one of the founding um, statements of, of the Church of England, says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Or if you put it another way, the glory of God is the only thing we can pursue that is not completely in vain. It's the only thing we can pursue that is not completely in vain. When we realize this, when we realize that God's goodness is so much better than all the other stuff we're chasing around, 
when we realize that we'll find our satisfaction in him and all this temporary fulfillment that we're looking for is nothing compared to the satisfaction we can get from knowing God. And if you think back to the homologeo um, saying the same as God, this is almost the second part of confession. So the first part is saying, this is my sin, I see it like you see it, God. And the second part is saying, this is me, and I see me, a child of God, like you see me. So it's seeing yourself for what you are. So, what does David do? He confesses his sins before God with total honesty. Then through sacrifice, and in our case, through Jesus, there's no manure left. It's gone. And I was going to try and carry it out in some symbolic way, but I thought it would get very messy, so I haven't done that. But we don't even need to remember it was there. Tim, uh, a few weeks ago, mentioned a verse that says, I am he who blots out your transgressions and remembers your sin no more. So today, you can have your sins wiped out before God and leave here rejoicing. Isn't that great news? So I'm just going to close um, in a prayer, which is the Church of England com- Confession Prayer. And I think it really sums up what I've been trying to say. But before we do, I wonder if we just spend a minute or two thinking about our own manure that sat here. And guys, let's not manana it. Let's do it today. This is an opportunity and we can leave rejoicing. Whatever we've done, we can leave rejoicing and God will remember your sins no more. So I'll just give you a minute to, to think and then I'll pray that prayer for us.